Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Ravine, a Dodgers podcast uh, presented by Odyssey Sports. Uh, I'm Josh Schaefer here with Blake Harris, as always. Uh, Blake, before we get going... uh, I know it's been a little rainy and gloomy these last few days, but how's everything going? Going great, Josh. I'm just glad that uh, for the first episode all off season, we have not one, but two moves to talk about. Now, I don't think they're necessarily the moves that we would have been thinking about maybe a week ago when you recorded, but some news is better than no news. And I don't know about you, Josh, but I woke up just so excited. It's like Christmas morning, getting ready to talk about these two groundbreaking moves that the Dodgers made yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think uh, at, at the first one, I think kind of had a lot of people scratching their heads. And I think the second one um, is, is something that at this point, I'm thinking this is great just at this point. Um, so I guess let's start with the first one. Um, the one where people were kind of, um, confused when it first happened and that's the Dodgers, um, making a trade, uh, with, uh, with, uh, Tampa Bay and in return, uh, they don't give up a whole lot, but in return they get JP Fireisen, um, a right-handed pitcher, um, who has not spent a ton of time in the big leagues. Um, and he is likely or supposedly supposed to not see very much action this upcoming season. Now, Josh, you immediately said the Dodgers didn't give up a whole lot, but they actually did. You and I both know it was a a rough trade for the Dodgers because immediately I was like, when I found out who exactly was traded, I had to double check, but I was like, I'm pretty sure this is who I think it is. And uh, Josh, Mm -hmm. we, we thought you were safe, but another Chatham angler is no longer in the Dodgers organization and he's heading out. I texted you saying Andrew Friedman must have some beef with the Chatham Anglers. Maybe he's like a Hyannis guy or a Harwich guy, or I don't know what kind of you know other teams are out there, but yeah. Andrew Friedman doesn't yeah. like Chatham Anglers. Yeah, no. First he gets he gets rid of uh Josiah Gray and then what's his name and 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 who was a part of the uh the the Scherzer and uh Turner deal, the second guy, um that was sent over, not Kiebert Ruiz, not Josiah Gray, 
I forget who it was, but the other prospect. I think it was was it, I think it was Donovan Casey was the name. Yeah, Donovan Casey. So Donovan Casey was a Chatham guy. Disappointing. Um, so right now, you know, I'm just hoping that we get to see Michael Bush in a Dodgers uniform. Um, got Michael Bush <laughs> and Kyle Hurt. So those are the guys on. I'm I've got my fingers crossed for. But yeah, so so Jeff Belge um, goes over uh, in the deal to to Tampa Bay, um, and in return, the Dodgers get JP Fire which is yeah. someone that I don't think we were expecting to get uh, an MLB.com notification about. Yeah, when I saw the uh, Jeff Passon tweet come in, when you see, you know, reports that the Los Angeles Dodgers have acquired, and then you're like, okay, wait. And then, yeah, you see JP Fireisen. And, you know, unless you're like a diehard, diehard baseball fan that just knows everything about every pitcher in all of baseball you're likely going, who in the world is this? So there's two parts, Josh. You get the initial, who are you? What kind of a pitcher are you? But then you get the second part that says, well, you're most likely not going to pitch in 2023. He just got surgery, and it pretty much sounds like if everything goes well, assuming he's able to stay healthy, you know, he's able to bounce back nicely from the surgery, he'll be back end of August, early September at the absolute earliest. And that's assuming everything goes right. So the Dodgers acquire a reliever from the Rays that, again, most likely is not going to be pitching in 2023. So the fact that we've gotten to this point in the offseason where we're getting excited over this, well, we're getting over excited over a reliever who might not even pitch in 2023. But, hey, it's a, it's a reliever they could take a flyer on. I think he's, like, under control through 2027. So... If he comes back in 2023, great. If not, I guess this is like a Tommy Canely 2.0 where you just sign him and then hopefully a year or two from now, uh, he'll eventually suit up and not be a Danny Duffy kind of move for the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, I will I will say this about J.P. Fireisen, though. This last year with Tampa Bay, he appeared in 22 games. He logged 24 and a third innings. And he did not give up a single run so it's pretty good an era of zero 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 i'll give him that for can't get better than that innings yeah i mean i think it's just interesting to see uh, the dodgers make a move for a guy who's not going to play this year but i mean you can't get better than a perfect era of three zeros in 24 and a third innings in fact he only gave up seven hits total uh so um he was really good as his whip was uh below 0.5 that's pretty good too um but but yeah, definitely just not the move that I expected to see um, really at all. But um, yeah, so and and really he he made his debut in 2020. So he's only been around for two years, essentially. Um, he's played in parts of three seasons, but but really he's only been around for like two calendar years in baseball, considering that the season that he made his debut was the COVID shortened season. Uh, where the season kind of ran in, in some different months a little bit here and there. So he's really only been around for two years um, and um, hasn't seen that much, that many innings in his career, but he's a reliever and uh, who knows? I mean, I guess we'll see what we get um, somewhere down the line if we do get anything from JP Fireisen. But that was the first deal. The second one for the Dodgers, which I think was equally surprising, but in a different way, was that the Dodgers... Uh, and this is actually official as of about an hour ago, oh, agreed to a one-year $13 million deal with Noah Syndergaard. Yeah, so we really just, we have the trade in the morning, 
and we're like, wow, the Dodgers, they're awake. They're finally doing something. And then just a couple hours later, yeah, they go out, they sign Noah Syndergaard. Josh, I think Freeman must have access to our text messages because literally the night before, we were texting saying, yeah, on our next episode, we're going to talk about how Freeman is being held hostage somewhere uh, because he hasn't made any sort of deals at all this offseason outside of bringing back Clayton Kershaw and picking up Jake Reed off of waivers. So, yeah, two moves in one day, and yeah, Noah Syndergaard, I did not see that one coming. We knew the Dodgers were in need of a starting pitcher, but I didn't have Noah Syndergaard on my radar. I wasn't really even considering him as an option, but he signs one-year deal. They're taking a flyer just like they did with Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney. A little more money than uh, those contracts. I think each of those deals were worth like $8 million or $9 million last year. This one's for $13 million. But again, it's a one-year flyer. It worked out last year with both of those guys. And unlike with Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson, who pretty much came into last season as kind of just journeymen who put up ERAs around four. They weren't awful pitchers, but they weren't great by any means. Noah Syndergaard has proven that he has the capability of being one of the better starters in all of baseball. I mean, his first like four or five seasons with the Mets, he was arguably a top 10 to 15 starter in all of baseball, and he just hasn't really necessarily been the same since. So I don't hate it. Uh, you know, I, I don't hate the move at all, especially for your number five starter. At this point, I don't care who they sign. If you're putting them in the Mark Pryor lab, I'm sure good things are going to happen. So for a one-year deal, $13 million, I surprisingly love the move and maybe because josh we're just at the point where this is like the dodgers you know acquiring the best player in all of baseball based on how the offseason's gone this is fantastic that they've actually yeah made an made an addition that's going to improve the team yeah yeah and like I, I i was not expecting that at first honestly when i first saw it i thought good like i was excited about it because um kind of the things you just said about Syndergaard. I mean, the fact that a couple of years ago he was a top 10 pitcher in the league, really. Um, and even last year, I mean, he finished last year. Uh, his like combined ERA was still below four. It wasn't great because of how he ended the season in Philly, but um, he, he still was reliable. Um, and I think that again, like you put him into, um, and into the team and then have him work with Mark Pryor. And I think things are already kind of working out in your favor too. He's also only 32. Um, not he's 30, not 32. He's 30 <laughs> TOO. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's only 30 years old. So, um, but yeah, Noah Syndergaard, I mean, that was, uh, a little bit of a surprise to me. And, and I think it's worth pointing out that is, again, this could be official by the time, um, this podcast gets out. Um, but it is just a report. I think I said at the beginning that it was official. Um, it is just a report. Um, the, I just did see another update on it. Um, uh, about an hour ago when uh w- which came out about an hour ago it was just an update to the to the original report um saying how much it could be at a one year for 13 million but that certainly seems to be um looking like what the deal is going to be for for Noah Syndergaard so the Dodgers they do get two pitchers here we'll probably only see one of them this year but um based off of you know, all the factors we just mentioned, where do you, where do you rank this for the Dodgers? Like on a, like if you were to give it a letter grade. Yeah, I'd probably give it like a B to B plus just because again, at this point, I don't have the list of free agents that are, you know, still available, but it wasn't that great of a list outside of Carlos Rodon, who apparently is asking for like a seven year deal or something, which isn't going to happen by the Dodgers. Like, again, this is the best possible outcome considering it's a one-year deal. And even looking at Noah Syndergaard's postseason numbers last season, Josh, small sample size appeared in four games. 
ARA of 3.24, struck out eight and eight in the third innings. So was solid for the Phillies last postseason. Like you said, finished the year, I think, with an ERA below four, ERA plus of just above 100. So he was a league average starting pitcher. But again, you're not asking him to be the Noah Syndergaard he was five or six years ago. You're not asking what the Angels were asking last year and essentially him being their number one or number two starter. You're asking him to be your number five starter, which he's probably the best number five starter in all of baseball now. And he's also a guy that ate a ton of innings. I mean, let me quickly get this up here. I mean, that's what Tyler Anderson did so well last season for the Dodgers. But Noah Syndergaard last year in, what, 18, 19 starts, went at least five innings, went at least six innings in 11 starts. So if he's able to post an ERA of 3.8 or lower, give the Dodgers five to six innings on a consistent basis, I think the Dodgers will gladly take that. And if it gives you anything in addition, that's just going to be a juicy bonus. So, yeah, I think it's a good move for the Dodgers who, again, desperately needed a starting pitcher. I think we talked about that in a previous episode or two, saying you're kind of running out of options, and you don't want to necessarily turn to the farm this early in the season. So you get a veteran, you get a guy that's going to eat innings, and again, it's for one year, so if he doesn't work out, well, next year you say bye-bye and on to the next team. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about a couple guys that the Dodgers did get. Now let's talk about somebody that they did not get, um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, how you feel about not seeing this player sign with the Dodgers from either a positive or a negative standpoint. And that's Carlos Correa, who signs really a shocking 13 year, $350 million contract with the San Francisco Giants. I mean, it seems like it, I I don't think it's a bad signing for the Giants or for Correa. Obviously, I, I I'm I'm just I'm a I'm a little bit surprised at the magnitude of the contract, and I really didn't think the Giants were seriously in the running for Correa. It really is amazing that Carlos Correa somehow can be hated even more than he already was. I mean, you add him to the Giants, I don't even know what those boos are going to sound like when he comes to Dodger Stadium for the next decade. I mean, that's the crazy thing. It's not like it's like a one- or two-year deal. The dude's going to be in the division for at least a decade. Like, Josh, where were we 13 years ago? I mean, I was probably starting high school. I know you were probably in elementary school or something. Uh, Actually, actually, I might have been. Let's see, 13, what year are we at? Was this 2022? Yeah. All right, so I was one year out of high school then. I said that as a joke, but then I was like, wait, actually, I might have been in high school 13 years ago. So I was in eighth grade in yeah, 2009. I was, 11. I was 11. So you would have been, what, 13, 14? Yeah. So, yeah, eighth oh grade or so. God. So in 13 years from now, Josh, I'll be uh, closing in on 40. You'll still have a few years to go before that. So it's it's a long deal. But going back to the signing, I actually wasn't surprised when I saw that he signed with the Giants. Because after I saw the Giants make that push at Aaron Judge... I knew that they had money to spend and they wanted to make some sort of splash. So I actually, I think, you know, once we got that report that the Dodgers were out of it, I personally thought that he'd end up going to the Giants. But like you said, 13 years, I think it's like $350 million. So massive contract, one of the biggest ever. You know, we, we talked about this numerous times. Do we want Carlos Correa? Do we not want Carlos Correa? Clearly, the Dodgers weren't willing to go 13 years, $350 million. Maybe they wouldn't have even been willing to go one year for $30 million, But, yeah, Carlos Correa goes to the Giants. And I, just seeing these other teams in the division, what they've done this offseason, the Padres add Xander Bogarts, the you know Giants add Carlos Correa, 
and what are the Dodgers going to do, which we'll get to after the break, but I just thought it was an insane move on their end, and it's going to make the NOS that much more competitive for the next 13 years or so. Yeah, I so here's here's something, and I where where do the Giants sit right now in the division? Because do, I don't think you can put them over the Dodgers or the Padres right now, right? No. So they're probably right, third, so I mean, but and that's being generous with the D backs on the come up too. So yeah, you're giving three hundred fifty million dollars to a guy where you're the third best team in the division. Yeah. So I yeah I mean that's that's what's crazy because. You know, I, I've mentioned my roommate a couple times on the show, um, and he he is also um, a Dodger guy, and and uh, he also works in sports. And we were talking the other day, and we were like, "Does this like this, this doesn't change much for the Giants, though, from a division race standpoint, does it? Like, they're certainly a better team because Carlos Correa is a, a superstar. He's a phenomenal baseball player, but." What does it really change for the Giants in comparison to the Dodgers and the Padres? And right now, I don't think it is. And with that yeah. being said, did you hear what Chris Russo said about this whole ordeal? Did oh, you I, hear about it? I, I didn't hear the full thing. I saw like a brief thing on Twitter where I'll, I'll just let you say it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, he thinks that the Giants were desperate, and he says he didn't realize that the Giants were this desperate to go out and give him 13 years, $350 million, and yeah, he's a superstar, but like, are, I guess that's a good question. Like, Are the Giants that desperate? Because their only other signings right now are, obviously, they fell short of Aaron Judge, but they bring in Sean Manaya. Um, obviously, they've got Ross Stripling, um, but Mitch Haniger. Mitch Haniger is a perfectly fine baseball player. I like Haniger. Um, but are they desperate to go get Correa to try to stay relevant in the division race? It's like, this is how I describe it, Josh, because they were obviously all in on Aaron judge and they wanted to give him 360 million, whatever it was. This seems like, let's say you go to Costco and you're ready to get a Costco hot dog. You, you love the Costco hot dogs. They're fantastic. You get there, you're all ready. And they say, sorry, no can do. We're out of Costco hot dogs. And you go, damn, I, I was all in on having a Costco hot dog for lunch today. Well, I, I guess since I have this, you know, $1.50 in my hand, I might as well get a slice of pepperoni pizza. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like that's what the Giants did. They they said, we have this $350 million that we really wanted to spend. We didn't get our main guy. Well, we might as well just throw it, you know, at something else, and that should be as good. Yeah, I, I think... I think Chris Russo actually said that, but in baseball terms. Here's here's the exact quote. Um, this is a guy whose highest MVP finish was fifth. He's made two all-star teams. He's never hit 30 home runs. He's driven in over 85 runs only once in his career. Last year hit 22 homers and 64 RBIs. He's a lifetime 279 hitter in over 162 games. There's not a chance in hell I would ever give him $350 million. I know that the I know that San Francisco was completely desperate. Their farm system stinks. We all know that. And then he went on yada, yada, yada. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd totally go that far. But, I mean, everything he said is right about Correa to the point where he's a career 279, 280 hitter, which is good. I would take that, right? I would take that. I would take the 22 home runs in a season. I would take the 64 RBIs in a season, and I would take great defense. But are you giving yeah. him $350 million just because you had it in your hand? 
Again, apparently that's what the Giants did. So, I mean, we're at the point now where we see these contracts. I think they're going to become just, like, the norm because, what, let me get out my calculator because that math is just too significant to do off my Arizona State brain. But, what, $350 million, 13, that's $26.9 million a year. I think that's great value for Carlos Correa where five or six years from now, guys like Chris Taylor very well could be earning $26.9 million. So, again, I, I know people are kind of against it or whatnot but i think at the end of the day that's what you need to do in order to sign some of these top guys obviously it's what the dodgers needed to do to sign mookie Betts to that you know it might have been something almost nearly identical i think it was like 12 years 365 million so they get their superstar like you said it doesn't necessarily do much in order of the giants maybe it takes them from a 78 win team to an 84 win team so they hope their playoff chances a little for the wild card but yeah barring you know, what happened a few years ago with the Giants, I don't think they're going to be competing for the division, but hey, they needed some guy to build around, and again, when you don't get your hot dog, a uh, slice of pizza is the next best thing, so that was their mindset. Yeah, um, real quick before we move on, you mentioned the Mookie Betts. Um, the Red Sox today, at least at the time yes. of recording, it was about an hour and a half ago, uh, designated Jeter Downs for assignment, so I think... Uh, each day that passes, the Dodgers continue to win that trade a little bit more and more. Um, yeah. But that, that, you know, it is what it is. Anyway, um, my next question, and that, this will lead us into our next conversation here, is what does this deal do for the market for shortstops specifically? Because you look and we see Correa and you see Xander Bogarts. And then before that, it was Trey Turner. Before that, it was um, Corey Seager. Before that, it was Manny Machado. And now you see the contracts grow and grow and grow and grow more and more and more. And I mean, I know Manny Machado is a third baseman, but in the past, he had also played a little bit just either on the left side of the infield. So I think that was the first one that kind of set it in motion. But really, like, what does that do for the market going forward? And how does that impact the next guy who the Dodgers have been tied to a little bit, Dansby Swanson? Yeah, it just keeps going up and up and up because, I mean, what, Trey Turner got $300 million, so Correa got three fifty. I think Xander got two eighty. And Tatis, too. Sorry, I forgot yeah, about Tatis. Tat, yeah, Tatis, Francisco Lindor. I mean, yeah, these shortstops are getting just record-breaking numbers, and it's just going up and up more and more. So essentially, if you're a shortstop and you're an all-star, you're going to be getting at least $200 million. And I, I, I just think nowadays we're getting to the point where these contracts are just going to become the norm where – 150 to 200 million that's going to be a contract for an above average kind of guy so but shortstops especially i mean looking at who's left on the market i think it's clearly pretty much just dancy swanson at this point entering the offseason my guess was like 150 million maybe for him over like six or seven years but at the way these uh, contracts are going josh he might be looking at a potential 200 million dollar payday because if you're given carlos correa 350 million I mean, are you saying Dansby Swanson's not even worth half of what Carlos Correa is after Dansby Swanson posted a higher war last season, was a better overall player? So, I mean, it's really insane what's kind of happened over these last, I guess, one or two years because what, Seeker was a free agent last offseason when he got over $300 million, and I think Lindor and Tatis each got theirs a year or two ago. So this is all happening relatively quickly, and it's just going to keep going up and up until Gavin Lux is eligible for free agency in four years, and he's getting $400 million at this rate. Yeah, and, and so so Dansby is still a free agent. He's the top shortstop free agent, um, still unsigned. And the Dodgers have been linked to him a little bit, but as have the Cubs um, and... 
if this causes a little bit of problem for the Dodgers, I wouldn't be shocked. But Dansby Swanson on Saturday or Sunday this past weekend uh, married Mallory Pugh, uh, the professional soccer player who plays in Chicago. So I'm a little bit, uh, I would love to see Dansby Swanson in, in Dodger blue. I think that that puts a little bit of a damper on, on those hopes, just a little bit. Not that it means a whole lot, because obviously we thought, you know, it was inevitable that Freddie Freeman was going to remain in Atlanta as well. And it seems like Dansby Swanson could stay in Atlanta as well. But then you toss the, the Cubs and you put that little sprinkle on there and you think, eh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like at this point for Dansby Swanson, it looks like just on what reporters are tweeting that it's like between the Braves, Cubs, Dodgers, and maybe like the Red Sox, which you just let Xander Bogarts leave. So what's the point in signing Dansby? So it looks like it's maybe down to yeah. those four teams. Like you said, the, the Chicago aspect makes the most sense because that's where your wife plays. But at the end of the day, He's making $200 million, and I think that's the top priority as opposed to uh, being close to the wife. So we'll see. I I just I, – I'm Josh, it's like, what, December 15th. The offseason's been nearly two months long. We've talked about this numerous times, and I still have no idea where I'm at with Dansby Swanson. Like, I don't know if I want him or not. Well, especially seeing how these contracts are looking. If it's going the route I think it's going, then I, I really don't. But Dansby Swanson defensively is arguably – the best shortstop in all of baseball. So immediately considering you have Gavin Lux there now, you're getting a massive upgrade. The dude, I think, hit over 25 home runs, you know, last season, or he hit exactly 25 the year before yeah. he hit 27. So 25. he's a power-hitting guy. The problem is, I know uh, one of our buddies would be all over uh, my, my take in regards to this. It's the fact that throughout his career, he's just been a league average hitter. I mean, we always like to talk about OPS plus, 100 is league average. He has a career OPS plus of 95, which is below league average. And ever mm -hmm. since 2018, when he kind of really started emerging as like the guy that's going to be the shortstop for the Braves, he has an OPS plus of exactly 100. So again, a league average hitter, even last season in a career year for Dansby Swanson, in which he was an all-star, finished top 12 in MVP voting. He had an OPS plus of 115, which you'll take it. It's above league average. But when comparing that to Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux posted an OPS plus of 105. So Dansby Swanson, again, defensively, he's an upgrade. But offensively, you know, how, how much more is he giving you? And is he worthy of the 25 to $30 million that he's probably going to get per season uh, moving forward? And I, I just don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, is it? It's not. Are you? You're getting Dansby Swanson, and it's an upgrade. It's how much is he worth? Of an like, how much of an upgrade is he really compared to what you have currently? And how much is that worth? Like, what what does Andy yeah. Freeman value that upgrade? Um, and if it's a little bit, and he's making you know um, between two hundred and three hundred million, depending on what 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 the contract is or how long it is and if it's going to be 20 million a year or 25 million a year whatever it might be um is that is that slight upgrade relevant enough and worthy of that money so and it's also uh, I, another interesting thing about Dansby is I we we talk about how the Dodgers want to stay under this luxury tax which again I think is 232 233 million dollars Watch out the Noah Syndergaard signing. I think the Dodgers are at like 202 or 203, something like that. So they still have about 30 million to play with. But 
are you going to be given Dansby Swanson? Like, I mean, at this point, I, I thought maybe you could get a, I thought maybe you could get him for like 20 to 25 million this season, but the way these contracts are going, 25 seems like the absolute bare minimum. So let's just say they somehow get him at 25 a year. All of a sudden now you would just have this much room to play with to stay under that luxury tax with a number of yeah. holes you still need to fill out on the roster. So that's another aspect of why it doesn't necessarily make sense. But then again, uh, one of Cronkite's alums, Jack Harris, who's a good buddy, he apparently wrote today that the Dodgers offered Verlander two for four or two for eighty, that would have been forty million a year, that would have put the Dodgers above the luxury tax number. So it's like, well, clearly they were willing to go above it, but they're not spending because they don't want to. So maybe the Dodgers have no problem giving Dansby thirty and going over, but that kind of goes against what their whole offseason mindset has been. So. I don't know, Josh. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Only one or two people know what they're actually doing, and uh, I guess maybe more uh, Fire Eisens. I think that's his name. Bring us more Fire Eisens. <laughs> Bring us more Fire Eisens, indeed. We're going to take a quick break and uh, come back and wrap things up with our weekly Q&A. So, uh, the Dodgers, we, we talked about the signings with J.P. Fireisen and Noah Syndergaard, the guy who they did not get, Carlos Correa, and the guy who they might or might not get, Dansby Swanson. Um, and hopefully that answers some questions that people might have. Um, but uh, Blake, why don't you uh, why don't you kick us off with the Q and A, and we see what we get this episode? Yeah, Josh. Before I dig deep and uh, find some great questions in the mailbag, there is something I quickly wanted to acknowledge. Now I don't know if you've uh, caught this, but apparently my girlfriend caught this the other day and told me and. Like a lot of things, they just go in one ear and go out the other, and I have no recollection of this either. So she's actually the one that notices before me. But every Dodger that's left this offseason, Josh, on social media has gotten a thank you post. Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Tyler Anderson, these guys have gotten thank you posts. But for some reason, the Heen Dog himself, Andrew Heaney, did not get a thank you post upon leaving for the Texas Rangers. Now, I don't know if the Dodgers just forgot... But uh, I, I found that very upsetting that the Heen dog himself is not worthy of a thank you post. So I just wanted to bring that to uh, everyone's attention that apparently uh, everyone's sleeping and napping on the Heen dog. So hopefully, so. hopefully uh, a month from now when the season's almost here, he just gets his thank you post that just comes out of absolutely nowhere. So, all right, Josh, yeah. we have a few questions as always. We like to... Uh, Turn to our audience on Twitter. We always ask you guys to submit some questions for us to answer at the end of episodes. Our first question comes from my man, Michael Whitman, assuming no moves are made before you record. So he happened to assume correctly because no moves were made before we recorded, Josh. What is the next move you want to see the Dodgers make? So you're Friedman for the next 24 hours. You're in charge. What move are you, uh, you making to improve the Dodgers? Honestly, I I'd be fine with Dansby, man. That, that that's I you know I I think you're right and I think that kind of that last conversation we had before the break is very important as if he's an upgrade how much is that upgrade worth financially? Um I don't want to overpay for Dansby Swanson if I'm Andrew Friedman, but I would pay for Dansby Swanson. And I would yeah. and I would go over the luxury tax. I mean, I would I would make I would make Swanson's deal within that small window that they still have. Um, 
without getting over that luxury tax, but obviously there are still some other holes that you need to fill. And at that point, I would say, all right, maybe at this point we'll go over. Because again, like it seems like their whole philosophy this offseason has been, let's stay um, under the luxury tax. Um, but like you said, Jack wrote that piece that kind of contradicted that. So maybe if their vision is kind of um, flexible, then you know what? Why don't you make a run at Dansby? Here's what you do with Dansby. You give him $15 million a year, and you essentially set up deferrals that run through like 2050. That okay. way you give him his money, but you're staying under the luxury tax. Uh, mine that I would do, I, I don't know if there's been any interest between the Dodgers and this player, but I know they kind of don't want to have an everyday DH, but how about you go out and sign JD Martinez? I don't think he's going to be yeah. all that. I don't think he's going to be all that expensive. He's going to be 35 next season. Last year, I guess was a down season for him. Hit only 16 home runs in 139 games, but still posted an OPS plus of 117. Which, considering that's a very down season for him, that's pretty good. He also did hit 43 doubles, so the power is still there. Again, if it's one year for 10, 15 million. Add some pop to the middle of the lineup. And again, if it's a one-year deal, two-year deal, something like that, I would love for the Dodgers to uh, sign J.D. Martinez. So that, that'd be one that I would make, depending on his price. I could be wrong. He's been he actually the mix a little bit, too. He, maybe he gets like $20 million a year, and I'm just off. But I feel like, especially being 35 and being only a DH, I don't think you're going to get that much money. But then again, I'm, I'm not wrong. Josh, we have a, one comes from Purple Drank. Will the Dodgers offer Shohei Otani $500 million, and if so, will it be spread over 3,000 years to keep the annual salary down? I think, I think when that annual salary, um, I think when Shohei is on the market, I don't think anyone's going to care about the annual salary at that point. So is it five hundred? I say probably not. <laughs> is it over 1,000 a, a years? No. But I think the Dodgers, if they do in fact go after Shohei, it could be a record signing. I I think Shohei actually could get $500 million if he has another solid season this year. But I'd be down to uh, lay that out over 3,000 years. I mean, that's got to be pretty cheap. So, hey, if they want yeah, to do it over 50 years, <laughs> you're not paying him much at all. So I, I would be uh, fine on that. Uh, let's see. This comes from Bags04. Is this the new normal moving forward in terms of free agents and trades? Free agents signing for more than a decade. With the expanded playoffs, I feel as if the trade market is not nearly as robust as it once was, and it'll now be more difficult to get anyone at the deadline with huge asking prices. Josh, that's kind of what I was talking about a little earlier yeah. with the Correa thing, where I think this kind of might be the norm when it comes to these superstars, unless it's like how Correa did last offseason, where he signed like that three-year $130 million with opt-outs so he could set himself up for like that. But I just don't think you're going to be seeing... Like how the Dodgers offered Bryce Harper 4 for 180. I think these guys, you just want to get your 10, 11, 12, 13 years, however long you can get it. If that means you bring your annual salary down just a bit. But I think these guys prefer longevity over potentially making more money. Yeah, I think they do too. Well, it's guaranteed money. Like yeah. that's that's why I think that that these longer contracts are fine for them. Because let's be honest, like I think we, we all, I mean, you said Correa is going to be a giant for over a decade, but I think we both know that the likelihood of Carlos Correa being on the Giants for 13 years is probably very, very low. Um, so so I, I think that these players understand they're not really signing for the Giants for 13 years. 
they're signing for $330 million or $350 million. Like that's what they're getting. What is almost essentially it's, it's guaranteed money. Like that's why the contracts are so big at this point because they want the longevity of making X amount of money per year, not I want X amount per year. And that's what I'm going to focus on. You know, they're going to settle for whatever it is per year, as long as they can guarantee that they're going to get that for, you know, eight to 12 to 13 years. Yeah, I mean, the the crazy thing is... Is that going to be the new norm? Maybe. I don't know if it'll be that extreme just because I think that we've had some big-time free agents on the market recently, but I do think that that would be a lot more common. Maybe not the norm, but it's going to be more common. Yeah, I mean, it's very tough to pass up, you know, $300 million for 11, 12 years or so, but something I do want to mention because I I briefly talked about Bryce Harper how he turned down that four-year, $160 million, whatever the offer was from the Dodgers. But essentially, he would have been making $40 million a season. It's hard to believe this, Josh, but Bryce Harper's already spent four years in Philadelphia. So Bryce Harper, that four-year, $160 million contract would have come to an end this season, and Bryce Harper would be a free agent this offseason. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Bryce Harper, he could sign right now if he was a free agent. He's only 29 years old still. He could probably sign an 11, 12-year deal for $300, $350 million. So if he would have done the shorter deal, he could have earned an additional you know, $160 million. But you know, had he gotten hurt, maybe that's not there at the end of the day. So you do have the examples where you could sign these shorter deals, opt out, and you know, give yourself a chance to sign a bigger deal. But you know, it's I just don't think players are going to be wanting to take that risk because I don't think they're going to want more per year if... You're, I mean, if, if you're a player, Josh, and a team comes to you and says, we'll give you $40 million for three years, and then three years you can become a free agent, or are they coming to you and they're saying, listen, we'll give you only $25 million a year, but you're locked in for 10, 11 years, it's all guaranteed. Like, what's more enticing to you as a player with those two scenarios? I don't know. Probably the... I don't I, go, give, explain to me the last one again. So it's either you get three years, 40 million a year. So you're getting three years for 120 or you're getting yeah. 10 years for 25 million a year. I want the 10. That's what yeah. I'm going to say. I want, I want the 10. I want the money because that's going to pay yeah. off over a longer period of time. Now, maybe if you're in a situation like Correa was last year, you sign the shorter deal with opt-outs so that you can basically make that money while you can and then use that to springboard into a massive contract with even more money and you're bringing in even more assets. Then, then like it's a business, but it's a business for the players too. So I, I totally would rather have the 10. Yeah. It's tough to argue with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, the, at the end of the day, what, what number do you think, Josh – because I always try to figure this out. What number in regards to like millions, like for a total contract, do you think is just like, at this point, doesn't matter anymore? Because like I just said, you're getting 120 million over three years, or you might be missing out on 250 million. But shouldn't 120 million get you through pretty much uh, at least one or two or three generations? So it's like, at what point do you just value how much? I mean, I, I'll take the more money option, but at what point is it just, okay, I mean, 120 million should get me by. For the next yeah, few decades, well, at, at least. Well, again, that's that's um, the lifestyle that we live now, trying to get to a different lifestyle. Where if this is just these guys' lifestyles all the time, yeah, then maybe 
I, you know, I don't know how lavish uh, Carlos Correa's life is. I would assume it's pretty sweet. Um, you know, being a professional baseball player and making all that money and driving probably what he drives and living where he lives and traveling how he travels. But um, I don't live that lifestyle now. Would love to. That'd be great. If anyone wants yeah. to pay me that money, I what you know, if, I'll, I'll consider it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but. I don't know. I mean, at some point, maybe it blurs together and it doesn't really matter how much these guys are making because it's from our standpoint, it certainly seems like it doesn't. Unreal. So that wraps up this week's mailbag. Appreciate everyone who submitted their questions. Sorry we couldn't get to all of them. But as always, follow us on Twitter at Inside the Ravine. That way, whenever we post about doing a mailbag for a portion of our show, you guys can ask us your questions. That way we can get to those. But Josh, I'll throw it to you now so you can uh, close this bad boy out. Yeah, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, you can find us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or also on YouTube. Make sure you follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Inside the Ravine. You can follow Blake at Blake Harris TBLA, and I'm at Josh for 25 on Twitter. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and uh, as always, uh, or as always, thanks again for joining us, and, uh, and and we'll see you next time. Wishing you happy holidays and a great rest of your day, wherever you may be.